0: This is the Football Roundup, Energy Sport's longest-running football show. Each week, our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football
1: Roundup. Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup on Energy Sport. Don't worry, don't adjust your sentence because your volume hasn't went funny or high-pitched. My name is Taylor Murray and I have been given the reins to destroy this podcast once and for all. As the bossman Jack Donnelly is currently putting his fist through walls due to air scoring the joint second least amount of goals in Scottish League football, I opted to fill in for him what could possibly go wrong today. Now, I wouldn't be able to do this by myself, so I have drafted in some of the best around to help me, you know, coach me through this. And since one bossman isn't available, I have opted to go for another. If you thought that, you know, take control of this podcast, myself, was going to go right, you're completely and utterly wrong. Therefore, to maintain a steady ship and make sure this podcast doesn't go down like his team, I'm delighted to have been joined by Sean McGill to coach me through this. Sean, how are you doing?
2: Nervous, in a word. Um, I've tried <laughs> <laughs> since I uh, became co-editor of this great web- website to give it a good reputation. And it could all come crashing down in this next hour or so, but um, no, I've got faith in you, um, and yeah, it should be fun. Anything can happen on an Energy Sport podcast, and uh, I think that's never been truer than this episode today.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it says uh, a lot about me or a lot about you, but um, you've got more faith in me than I do in myself, so um, yeah, like this has got to go down like flames in this, so go down, like, just wave on, goodbye, bye, Energy said, Sport. As you
2: said so nicely there, thanks for that.
1: Uh, So, since we've got one, you know, uh, person at steady ship, I need another person with a steady head, steady shoulders. Um, My next guest, you know, he's got a lot to be happy about just now, on and off the park. You know, last year they had a season of misery, you know, now they're sitting joint top, albeit three games in, you know. Uh, Weekend was one to be admired, as on Friday. You know, he backed his favourite four-legged animals at the Musclebody racecourse. And although uh, the Pony's done, uh, man, a favour, I think there's going to be a fight between, you know, him and Mr. McGill as, you know, Mr. McGill was some longer because of it. Jamie, how is your fine maroon self doing this morning, this afternoon?
0: Yeah, uh, my steady shoulders and I are uh, absolutely fine. Um, yeah, it was a lo- I've had a lovely weekend, actually, to be fair. Uh, it, was a, it was a lovely day at Musclebra on Friday. Uh, obviously, it wasn't on last year, so it was good to get back there. Um, had a wee bit of luck as well. So, I Managed to... Sell my girl some duds
1: as
2: well was nice. <laughs> <laughs> What a snake He puts in the group chat I ask him for some tips He puts a list in the group chat I literally go up to the betting booth. I don't know nothing about horses I go up to What do you call A betting booth I don't know I go up I have my, the group chat open With the phone I pass over my money and just Did you read actually
0: it. have them open? Literally I just read
2: I read the names off my phone That you put in the group chat <laughs> And said These are, my, these are what. This is the ones are what I want to put on and then, <laughs> one, I see Jamie say you have sold me lies, and he told me, oh I changed all my bets.
0: I don't, I don't even think I was going to say I don't even think I backed any of them. No, you didn't. In the end, well, apart from Empire State of Mind, who I, I didn't
2: put on because I didn't know I'd still be
0: there for the last race. <laughs> oh yeah, he he won. I think actually he did, he. he did. Yeah, I never had him in the end. If that's any no. consolation to you, that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> right. But I saw, I I
1: saw you
2: and I gave you a piece of my mind.
1: How was it, Boys yeah. been suited and booted again. Was it good? Enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Dressed up. Lovely weather as well. It was a good nice day. Nice enough, anyway. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But, you know, there was a wee bit of enjoyment with this last podcast guest on, you know. He didn't know if he was going to be on this until half an hour ago. I had absolutely nothing written down for him, so, because um, I actually generally thought he would still be counting, you know, sheep in his sleep. However, when I seen that message pop up, You know, I knew. He's got to come on. He's got to try to destroy me. He's got to try to derail this, me hosting this. But jokes on him, you can't derail something that isn't even on the rails to begin with. Graham Sinclair, welcome to the party. How are you doing? Vote Chloe and
3: Toby. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Chloe and Toby to win. Chloe. Team Chloe. That's the agenda
2: we need for today.
1: Oh, by the I respect way,
2: it. Well, if anyone is Love Island interested, this gets out in time, uh, Energy Culture, our friends over there, have just released a Love Island special of their backstage podcast, so make sure to check that out. No. We've was,
0: got a Love saw, Island podcast. We have a Love Island uh, po-
2: Energy's uh, massive, mate. We can do everything.
3: Uh, I saw that and I was offended that I wasn't invited on.
2: Same, actually. I'm going <laughs> to have a words with Jessica Mathieson I think I've
3: missed two episodes all season, including unseen bits. That's ridiculous. Wow, that is <laughs> impressive.
2: Jamie, are you the same?
1: great. so the you case. know speaking of love island um you know today's the final uh, we're all in edge of our seats for it we don't know who's going to win um, <laughs> okay. so um to mark the final of the show that creates the best pieces of cringe that tv has to offer i would like you to tell me which current playing footballer you would most likely to a pot off and why no, just to give you a feel, exactly what road this could go down. You know, I'll give you mines first, and then you can branch off in whatever direction you want. But so you know, the player I would like to cop up with is someone that uh, he's a mystery box. He is someone that you have. I have no clue what he does, but it intrigues me. You know, what does he train twenty four seven? What does he do when he goes home? Does he ever sleep? What does he have in his fridge? These are all the questions I would like to answer, and getting to know him is exactly why the person I'd like to couple, couple up with is James Milner. <laughs> James <laughs> Milner. It's the most
2: dry choice you could ever pick. No, no, you, see, you say dry. I <laughs> James, say fun. James I, actually, I <laughs> do,
1: fun do actually like
3: James Milner.
1: Don't, what does the man do? Does anybody know what he does other than play football? Not really. Run, so, it runs. runs. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to
2: have a, a very regimented life.
1: Yeah, like he definitely could add structure to my life, and I'm mm. definitely, that's why I need him. So that is my pick. And Sean, let's go with you. Who, who's your pick?
2: Um, my pick is a man who I think would bring joy to my life. He is. Um, the sort of social media clips i've seen him do he's a very funny man i think he's a very handsome man and most importantly he makes the best empire biscuits and all of scottish football the player i would like to couple up with is stephen o'donnell and another reason i think it'd be good to couple up with him is he's about to have a lot more free time on his hands because there's a wave of right backs coming through that are probably going to displace him from the scotland squad so he he tells jack grealish he's got nice calves Maybe you can tell me I've got nice cast. That would make me feel a lot better about myself. And, um, yeah, there's obviously that Kelly connection. So I would love uh, for me and Sod to become the new power couple of the villa.
1: Yeah, as a man, it's got some, like, facial hair on him, like Yeah, I love like his beard. I'm trying to model like my that's... beard off
2: his. I'd like to be able to do that. I think I'm a way off, but maybe he could give me some grooming tips as well. Just a lot for me to gain from this relationship,
1: I think. See, at least you're getting somewhere. I'm lucky if I've even got one singular hair on my, you know, chin on my cheeks or that. I still, I'm still, i still struggling at the age of 21 and I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. But James it, Milner's
2: quite hairless um, as well, though, in the face, so maybe that's he... something you can work on together. But maybe that's just like the liverpool that. Gillette partnership as well.
1: So there's that. <laughs> I like it, I like it. Um, Jamie, you're, you're the one I'm really intrigued about. <laughs> Who would you like to couple up with?
0: Um, I'd like to couple up with Craig Gordon because he's the Hearts <laughs> captain. Just put so Sugar much Daddy. into
3: that, Sugar
2: Daddy. He's a bit old, Jamie. How do you feel like you'd get over that age
0: difference? Ah, uh, it's just a number, mate. It's just a number. Funny story. Well, it's not a funny story, but me and Craig actually go quite a long way back. Because when, when I was the Hearts mascot, when I was That's about oh, nine or ten, he was uh, he was the Hearts captain back in. In fact, I must have been even younger. 9 or 10 Yeah, wee bit younger actually he was the heart's captain so uh, there's a photo in my room of uh, me and Craig so yeah
2: that's your and that's your chat when you bump into each other
0: well they'll recognise me now you know I was interviewing the guy yesterday
1: you know plug plug
2: net.
1: <laughs> I like it I respect it he's picked a handsome man he's picked a, an older man he's also plugged his own you know article in what more is there not to love Jamie from that and finally, the one that I feel this could go anywhere, right. any direction. I'm just going to call it the Taylor Murray role because I have no clue what he's got to say. Graham, who is the footballer you're coupling up with?
3: I would like to couple up with this footballer because he came into my life eight months ago and there was an instant connection. We didn't really get to see as much of each other as we hoped early on, but in the last month we've seen each other so much we're getting to know each other. And his dedication and effort and talent has really, really, really made me happy. I'm excited to see where our relationship goes and hopefully the next week we can take it to the national stage. So for this reason, the footballer that I would like to couple up with is Scott Wright.
1: I respect, I respect that, I like that. Uh, do you see a future with him? Do you know? Do you see a long-term future or is this a short-term thing?
3: I think we could go long-term. I hope he's not out for the Boohoo man contract. <laughs> He's I can see that, to be fair. I can see that
1: from Scott Wright. No, yeah, yeah, that's that was some speech at some point. Oh my god. Um, do you see yourself playing at Wembley at any time with Scott Wright? <laughs> Getting
2: your MVQs Jamie's got no idea what's
1: <laughs> going <went> on
3: <laughs> oh. uh,
2: you'll you graduate anytime soon, Jamie. do think you will graduate soon though? sorry but you graduate anytime soon
0: <laughs> what graduate uni like what are you talking about <laughs> it doesn't matter
3: jimmy's <laughs> taking the piss at you
2: sorry sorry oh, uh, it's, we'll, we'll explain off here. we don't want to um, get into that on this uh, reputable podcast so i'll let our seamless host carry us into the next segment <laughs>
1: yeah oh. So we're going to, you know, get into some Scottish football action that ha- happened over the weekend. You know, some talk about some of the amazing stuff that happened on the pitch. However, sadly, over the past 24 hours, uh, Kiago Furashi has sadly been, you know, a victim of racial abuse. A video appeared online of Rangers support supporters, and I put them in, you know, quotation marks, um, chanting racial slurs towards the Celtic forward. And now the club are investigating this incident. This is something that is really shocking to have happened, especially in this day and age. And the fact it's ha- it's ha- happening on something such as a supporter bus is disgusting. Um, these actions should definitely be, you know, condemned. And individuals found guilty should definitely be banned from football. Um, I don't know if anyone ha- has anything else that they'd like to add.
2: Uh, this isn't a slight on you, Taylor, but I think it's a problem when we talk about. The, we say like so-called supporters or supporters in quotation marks because these are football fans. This is a problem that we have to face up in, in our sport and our society as well. So I think it's important that as football fans ourselves to face up that there are people among us who uh, hold these views, that think it's acceptable to say the things they said over the weekend. And um, yeah, you're spot on to say that uh, they should be condemned and there's no place for, for them in football at all.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um obviously these people are, you know, people at the end of the day and however their views are very, you know, outdated, very um backwards. Back racist, racist Yes, and very there's, yeah, no they're very, they're very racist and these are people that need to be educated on how not to do this. And Graham, do you have anything that you'd like to add? Nope.
3: Oh, you, stood
1: it well. you stood very well. You still very well, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you very much. I just want to move on from this. You know, hopefully, you know this incident can be, you know, um, dealt with, and you know, we move on. And hopefully, this is the last we ever, ever have to, you know, speak about this. So Celtic versus St. Mary at the weekend. It was a game that was, you know, full of goals, full of, you know. Excitement! Um, Celtic continued their fine form of you know hitting the net, and for the second time this season, they've scored six with goals from Abada, uh, Turnbull, and Edward to put ten man the sco- uh, sword. So, I'd li- the question I'd like to ask you know J- you, Jamie, I don't know if you've seen any of this with Celtic looking so deadly in front of goal. Is it a surprise that this is like the second time they've scored six this season? And um,
0: probably not. I mean, you you know, look, we'll, we'll never know what it would have been like um at eleven v eleven, but it was another very kind of comfortable, comfortable victory and a very good performance from Celtic. Um, I think mean Jack Anik was at fault for a few of the goals, um, and he was at fault for one against Hearts as well. He was a big player for St Mirren last season, but he's he's not um he's not started the season very well, to be honest. But uh, you know, going back to Celtic, I think it's a big week, obviously for both Celtic and Rangers. Um the European ties and then obviously the old firm next weekend. But uh, you look at Bostokoglu's style and they are very open at the back because they're so high up the pitch. Even the full backs play, um, play so high up the pitch and the wingers stay high and they're just a bit all at attack really. So no, it's probably not a surprise to see them kind of cut through teams, especially early doors. Um, They did it against Hearts. They, they did it against St. Mirren there as well and they did it against Dundee. They're coming out the traps really fast and Obviously, the concern is eventually if they can't put teams away after say an hour, um, I'm not sure they're going to be able to sustain the intensity that they play at for a full ninety minutes. But obviously, just now it's not an issue because they're they're scoring so many goals and blowing teams away in the first half.
1: Yeah, I hundred percent agree with what you've said. Um, they are a very you know forceful side when they're going forward. But do you think that you know with you know all this positive of going forward that. You've seen it with hearts as soon as you know a wee bit uh, even pressure at the back, they seem to have crumbled like I outside a fiver. Do you think that'll be you know a bigger issue when it comes to you know like the middle part of the season when it's in the winter when you know it's the dire games that are getting played? So I, I know you said that they'll probably die out when they if they don't score, but do you think that'll be their Achilles heel when it comes to the end of the season?
0: Well, I think the defence in general obviously is Celtics' Achilles heel. I think we might see this on uh, Thursday in uh, in Europe when they go to Alc. And then possibly at Ibrox at the weekend as well, I don't know, but time will tell. But I think obviously Celtic's defence is their Achilles heel, but you know, if the goals dry up, I think they're in trouble because I don't think they can defend. So, uh, yes, it's definitely their Achilles heel.
1: Uh, Sean, I'd just like to come to you, Um, I'm going to come to you with your Scotland hat on. You know, David Turnbull, he scored a hat-trick at the weekend, his first career hat-trick. How important a player will he be for Scotland in these qualifiers? We know so many players are injured, with Tierney being out. You know, it looks like he might be out. Robertson, we're not sure if he'll definitely be out. I know that he's going to be a midfielder, and that's defenders I've listed. But do you think he has to be a big player for this to help us, you know, get through these games?
2: I don't think it has to be, because there's players in his position who have done jobs for Scotland before, namely John McGinn, and uh, Ryan Christie. Of course, could be in a, in a similar sort of position. Uh, to that so, Stuart Armstrong's it as well but not very effectively recently um, but um, for the future certainly I think it's great to see David Turnbull doing so well, there was question marks over how he would fit into Ange Postacoglu's system, uh, whether he'd be able to sort of break into this Celtic team uh, this season and he certainly has done that and of course he got his first career hat-trick at the weekend which he was um, delighted to get. I heard him say on the radio as I was coming back from the Boyle-Rig-Rose game. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's great to see he's, a, he's one of the players in this uh, Celtic side that I want to see doing so well, uh, because it obviously benefits the national team if we have players in form. So, perhaps with sort of lesser opposition, maybe the Moldova game, we might see David Turnbull. Um, but I think that um, his sort of sustained form is obviously good for Celtic and um, hopefully good for the national team too.
1: Um, and our player that, you know, it's been an impressive form at the start of the season is someone that I have you know notably said in the group chat is not very good um Abada, he seems to you know have hit the ground running at Celtic Sean do you think he is going to be a very important player for Celtic you know uh, coming into uh, the old firm or do you think this is a purple patch you could possibly be going through
2: He's still so young, isn't he? He's only 19. Um, I don't know if yeah, that's, Celtic would that's have expected sure. him to be uh, the sort of hit-the-ground running the way that he has. I actually had Portugal on the radio as well saying that, that it's impressive considering his age. Um, obviously, he's in the same position as James Forrest, who, when he gets up to form, can contribute so much in terms of goals and assists, so I'm sure it's a nice problem for uh, the Celtic manager to have. Um, I probably don't expect him to score at quite as a consistent a rate as he has been doing so far, so... Does that mean it's a bit of a purple patch? I don't know, but um, he seems to be a a great talent, a great find for Celtic, and um, I'm sure that Posticoli will be sort of trying to balance those options that he has in a a forward area, making sure that they can all contribute in a positive way because they need all the firepower they can get. Because like Jamie was saying, uh, their defense is certainly their downfall, so uh, they need as much attacking prowess as they possibly can.
1: Yeah, when I found out he was only nineteen, I was shocked. I was like, <clears throat> he's playing that. A shockingly good level for his age and it, it's not even like he looks like he's just feeling his way way in he's actually performing pretty well and it's, it looks like Celtic might have found a gem if he can keep up you know these performances like eight out of nine times every week um moving on to like St Graham um let's just say that would this have been the case you know if they were down to uh, if they're still in 11 men I, I think so I think Celtic you know going forward are still you know, outrageous, but, you know, Power's red card, do you think that was a red card? And I know there's probably, we all got to agree to this, but just want your thoughts on that.
3: Well, I think you're pretty much spot on. I don't think really the red card really probably changed the result that much. Maybe a goal or two for Celtic, but they're absolutely on fire going forward at the moment. I thought it was a stone more red card. I, I was surprised to see so much debate about it, to be honest with you. Power goes in with unnecessary force. He had his studs up and really it only isn't that bad because Turnbull is able to ride the challenge I thought it was a pretty clear red card myself but minute, this isn't the kind of game that it's not been a great start for it but it's not the kind of game that they'll really rest the laura's on anything at Parkhead or Ibrox as a bonus
0: Aye, can I just jump in there, sorry, Graham's right, obviously it hasn't been a great yeah. start to the season for St. and you know I kind of fancy St. to do alright this year and obviously they, they still can, they still might but you know, they're yet to win a league game and obviously they came in to the season on the back of a pretty strong League Cup campaign. Um, but I can back this up having watched Hearts in 2019-20 under uh, Craig Levine at the start of the season. And I remember we went up to Pataudry in the first day of the season and we lost 3-2. Um, and you know, I came away from that game thinking, oh yeah, we, we played okay, we'll be absolutely fine. But we couldn't get that first win until we went to Easter Road and... Uh, the pressure really does kind of build up on you until you get that first win. So I can uh, kind of imagine the position that St. Minnan are in just now and until they get that first win, it's they're going to be playing with a hell of a lot more pressure than uh, anybody else, or apart from Livingston.
1: <clears throat> St. John's haven't won nah, yet either. <laughs> so there's... Uh, it's that it's that well, I didn't realise they hadn't won a game you know, last season. It's yeah, a good feel factor around him, but I understand what you're saying, Jamie. That, that first win is like, you know, A lot of pressure, you know, if you don't get it, and especially if you start getting the the October, you know, end of September, October times, then that's where questions need to be asked about um, if you've got the mentality to stay in the league. But just a question I'd like to lastly put out there on, you know, Celtic Uh, will they make it past AZ Alkmaar, you know, on Thursday? Uh, uh, Jamie's already gave a little bit of his insight on this, but Graham and Sean, I just want to see what you say. Yes. Graham? Yes. And just to round it off, Jamie, confirm is that a yes or is that a no? Maybe. I like it. I think they'll I like lose
0: it. the game. I think they'll lose the game, but I think they might have enough to go through. So I think they'll lose the game by a goal. So yes, they will so
3: go through. Celtic, I, don't, I, I don't think they are, are quite. I, I, feel, I feel like I'm doing this a lot with Celtics saying so that they're playing t- not good teams. I don't mean to do that. I think I, mean, I, I think that was the first one so I think there's something there when they played major under at home. But. It's
1: not the same as Alkmaar it was last year. I think Celtic are much better and they should go through. I could even see them winning the game. Yeah, so Celtic, out of all of us, are going to be the first to go through in Europe so far. We'll find out the rest later on. Um, <clears throat> now, an out-of-form Murrow fought back from being a goal down at the Tony McInerney Stadium to win 2-1 against Livingston as they got their first win of the season on Saturday. Goals from Tony Watt and Liam Grimshaw gave the curtin number side a vital three points whilst... David Martin, Dale's Livingston are still stuck at the bottom of the table without a point. Now, Sean, given how inconsistent Murrow have been in the start of the season with some unconvincing performances in the Premier Sports League Cup and the start of the league, could this be a turning point for Murray to kickstart their season?
2: Is beating Livingston a turning point? This Livingston team don't seem great at all, obviously still without a point. Um Mark strikes just decided to not really be a goalkeeper anymore. I thought he was at fault for Liam Grimshaw's goal and the way that he just parried it straight to his feet uh, for the Motherwell winner. Um, I expect Motherwell to sort of stay inconsistent because I think there's better teams in the league above them and I think there's worse teams in the league below them. So I expect Motherwell to win these sorts of games, but I think they'll struggle against uh, the sort of bigger sides in the league. I know that's not sort of uh, cutting-edge analysis there, but I just don't think that... Um, Motherwell will be able to build up too much of a head of steam Um, I think that they'll sort of dip in and out, I don't expect them to be top 6 but I don't expect them to be in the relegation race because on the basis of what I've seen so far there's going to be at least two teams worse than them this season, so uh, I think it's a decent win for Motherwell, obviously the Tony Macaroni has been a hard place to go in the past for certain teams, but um, yeah, I'm just not impressed by Livingston at all this season, and uh, especially Straya. I think he's going to have to step up and get back to where he was last season. If uh, let me are going to be with a chance to stay up this season. Uh,
1: Jamie, um, Sean just mentioned there that uh, obviously Livingston don't have a point this season, and you know uh, they don't look like they don't look convincing at all. Uh, Livingston's next five games are Hibs away, Dundee away, Celtic at home. Rangers away in the League Cup and then Hearts away like do you see them struggling do you see them getting you know a positive result anytime soon or is this just going to be a case of uh, can Livingston ride this out and pick it up in the next you know round of fixtures
0: yeah I mean look I just mentioned it with Sam Mirren until you get that first win, you do play with that bit more pressure on your back Um, I don't know when it is they come to Tynecastle, but I'm sure they'll pick up something there Um, Hibs Hibs away next I was quite impressed by uh, Hibbs and Dundee yesterday. Obviously, we'll get onto that game in a minute, I'm sure. But uh, I was impressed with those two teams. I've already spoken about how good Celtic are. And then they come to Thinkcastle. So, uh, yeah, we'll see.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't like to say, you know, David Martindale might be, you know, at risk because I feel that the Vincent board will have a lot of time for him and they'll also back him to the point where, you know, they probably will be getting accused of, you know, over relying on him. However, it's the next round of fixtures. I feel is vital for him. Like this, he's not going off to the best starts, but these next five games are going to be tough. Uh, Sean, you're going to say something.
2: Well, it's just that's just the teams you play in the league. Like well, that'll be seven games in uh, by that point. That's just the teams. Like I know one of them's the League Cup. You said, but like you've got to play those teams, and I just think that I think there will. You're right to say that there will be sort of stock investing in David Martindale because of the long relationship he's had with that football club. But you've got to remember that... other. Uh, shocking end to last season as well, obviously there was that amazing run when Martindale first got the job but it's been yeah. poor form for a long time for Livingston and this is him I know there was a big overhaul but he's got his players in and on the basis of what we've seen a lot of them aren't good enough so I, I think these next few games are going to be massive for Martindale, if they're still sitting there on just a, a couple of points and uh, five games time or whatever it is then uh, I think there will be massive pressure on him, I can see him being the first casualty this season in the Premiership yeah, This
0: what has been days. coming in I mean, you, know, you speak you speak about last season, the end of last season. You know, this is this has been coming, and yes. you know, I would actually argue. You look at the rest of the league. The Livingston really have much of a right to be there. You know, you look at the, like the, the Livingston have a right to, to to finish out with say the top ten or top eleven. I'm not sure they do, to be honest. Budget wise, I'm not really sure they have got much of a right to be in the top nine or ten.
3: And then you you have
1: to add that the fact that Lovey's defense was their weakness last year they lost their best defender and didn't really replace him. No, well, that's not going to go well for you. I'm concerned about it. Yeah, and especially him. if they're losing like uh, one of their you know vital attackers as well, and you know Jermaine Thomas he, they did rely on him quite a little. And Scott uh, Robinson,
2: to be fair, like I think people forget how good Scott Robinson was in that run that they and had. Scott, he was absolutely yeah, key to
3: it. Was, when he went out, that
2: was run kind of run just... uh, And he scored two goals at the weekend for Kelly. He's shown that he's got that quality. So yeah, I would um I'm, I am really concerned about Livingston this season.
1: Uh from uh, Livingston, who um are struggling to you know get a single point to two teams who shared a point. Uh, Hibs travelled to Dens Park to take on Dundee on Sunday at the midday kick-off. The home side took the lead through Jason Cummins, who scored against his former club. For then Hibs to net one back through a penalty before half time, Portis then gave the High Bs the lead a uh, halfway through the second half, with almost stretching, uh, the lead further through Jamie Murphy, whose shot was saved absolutely stupendously well by Adam uh, Legston Legston Legston. I- I'm pretty sure that, that legs and I've nobody got it. legs and uh, yeah, it's a funny one that. Yeah,
2: uh, Liam Fontaine was uh, interviewing him on Sky Sports before, and did he, he was like he was trying to introduce him. He was like Adam, I don't even know how to say your second name. So if his teammate doesn't know Taylor, I wouldn't, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't worry about it too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's there's some Zs and besides these in there <laughs> that I've never seen before. So. <laughs> Uh, Obviously, you know, it looked like Hibs were going to see this out until Paul McGowan scored a late header to get uh, Dundee a point. Uh, Sean, is this a game that Hibs should have won or did Dundee do enough to, you know, deserve the point or even more?
2: I'd say Dundee deserved it, to be honest. Um, I think that if Hibs had managed to get away with a win there, it would have been a really good win because I didn't think they were great in that game, to be honest. In the first half, uh, I say it was all Dundee, but... Hibs still had the majority of the ball, but they were just doing absolutely nothing with it, whereas Dundee uh, looked pretty dangerous. I I really like Paul McMillan. He's a player every time I watch. He seems to be uh, at the heart of everything good offensively for uh, Dundee. So I would say that a point was probably a fair result in the end and there was good parts of of both sides in this game. So, um, yeah, I think that um, a point was fair and there are two sides who expect to sort of do... Completely fine this season. Hibs will be top four, and I think Dundee are a little bit of a, a cut above the rest of the relegation fodder, which might have surprised some people heading into this
1: season. Graham Martin Boyle's influence to start of this season has been, you know, very noticeable. He's got three goals in three games after that penalty against Dundee. Uh, I think we, I, I'm not sure if we spoke on this, if it was off air, um, that we consider Martin Boyle to be like one of the best players outside within old firms so how massive is it that contract extension was signed and how on you he'll be for Hibs?
3: I'm a bit offended you came to me about Martin Wyatt's going three goals in three games with two of them are penalties and you know how anti-penalty I am. I think I had a big shout where I said get the penalties. He's got one goal. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's actually he's got one he's goal in three
1: games. Okay he's got but one goal that, in three I, games like, how poor has he been?
3: <laughs> exactly he's absolute shite so he is, can't even <laughs> score from open play, what an absolute mug, nah. <laughs> I, I think you had a discussion, I think it was last week and extra time where you talked about the best player outside the old firm and yeah. I am with the guys, I think it's Martin Boyle, I think he has been the best player outside of the old firm, since Jack Ross came, in, I would say he's kind of like the timestamp for that, he's absolutely massive to him, Get a lot of talk about Nisbet and the millions he's going to go for but I think Boyle's a team that makes hip, hips tick going forward and they have been excellent going forward to start this season, they have attacked so well. They've scored, scored 3 They've scored uh, eight league goals in three games so far already. Six goals have you scored the penalties that don't count. <laughs> it's at the other end where Hibbs' problems are lying and the defence seems worse than ever.
1: Yeah, no, I would, I would agree. It looked like a game that they sure seen, have uh, seen out, but um, Dundee, you know, pulled it back. But just one other thing on Hibbs, Jamie. Um, Kyle McGuinness' impact for Hibbs to start this season has been immense. Like, it looks like a a player who's, you know, been at Hibs team for a long period of time because, you know, I think it was only a couple of years ago he was doing the business force at Mirren. So, uh, how, you know, big a player do you think he will be as well along with Martin Boyle?
0: Um, yeah, look, you know, I think you need all your all your kind of creative players to, to perform consistently. I think Doyle Hayes is another one that Hibs are going to need to to try and uh, get the best out of on a consistent basis, you know they can't rely on Martin Boyle. There's Kevin Nisbet missing out of the weekend. Christian Doyle is now out long term. Um, Jamie Murphy's another one. They they're, they're going to need to get the best out of on a consistent level. So, I think um, yeah, you know, look, I think McGinnis is gonna his, his form is going to need to be uh, tip top every week if Hibs are going to be in the top four. I um, I think you know you need your key players to to perform, and it's simple as that, really. Yeah, can I jump in
2: with some um, breaking yeah. news? That's just flashed up on my phone. Um, Leanne from Little Mix has just had twins with Andre Gray, so I just thought we should uh, share that with the football twins? round. Twins? Twins, yeah. I, know I didn't today. know it was twi- well, I don't know. I'm a huge Little Mix fan. I didn't know she
3: was having twins. And well, when Penny and
2: Alex Oxley-Chamberlain were just, what, yesterday? The day before? I don't know. Uh, uh, well, That's, I'll, I'll
3: miss Saturday for, for, for the birthday. The they
2: just, they just had one. So there's the same number of babies from Little Mix, and there is members of Little Mix now.
1: Some trivia for you. That is. What <laughs> I didn't expect that. That's his.
2: Jamie's actually wow. left the podcast.
1: Probably. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's a little mix? <laughs> oh well. Let's get on to something that Jamie can talk you about. Just, you've, just, you've just broken
3: Taylor, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know how to reply to that. <laughs>
2: It's important. Do you go? No, it's fine to tell her. Carry on. So uh, I just thought, uh, it's a big football news, isn't it? Andre Gray and Alex the chamberlain of course, so big news.
1: Well, um, let's go into something that actual <laughs> Jamie knows a little bit about and can talk about. Hearts versus Aberdeen. Jamie, just to confirm, you were there as press, yes? Just to make sure I get my facts correct.
0: I was. I. I'm. I'm fired that you've yeah. said that was a. I was a compliment. Saying I know. Uh, I know what I'm talking about when it comes to hearts. Not the first. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't have been the first person to say that. I don't. So thanks for that.
1: that's all right. Because um, at the weekend, you know, it was the battle of the hundred percent starts. Uh, it was a packed time Castle as Hearts took on Aberdeen, which ended in both teams sharing the points. The first half was filled with you know half chances for. Both sides, but the real magic did happen in the twenty-sixth minute when it was all the Hearts fans in and in Castle waved their uh, the scarfs above their head in memory of Mary Silicus, who sadly passed away last year. Uh, in the second half, uh, Hearts opened the scorn through Liam Boyes after Garry Steven, Stephen, I think it was that, uh, got, took out in the box by Declan Gallagher to then only fall behind fifteen minutes later against an unlikely of goal scorer Finso Ojo. Um, we didn't Jamie, just to say, only counted it. for one goal.
3: It wasn't like <laughs> Twiddens, like Leanne from Little Mouse.
1: <laughs> 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 Sorry, I meant, yeah, they equalised. <laughs> um, obviously, before I got into any of the football, uh, Jamie, what was it like to experience that moment in the 26th minute?
0: Do you know what, just uh, just in general, really, it was quite a, quite a big day for me, to be fair. Um, uh, you know, it was uh, my first game that I've covered with, like, a full crowd. Uh, I was quite pleased that it was, obviously, at Tynecastle. Um, obviously, I've covered a lot of games now at Tynecastle, but the majority have been without any fans, or very, very few. Um, and then, obviously, kind of hearing the heart song before the game. The atmosphere was brilliant. And uh, then, obviously, that moment in the 26 minute for Lucas was uh, was very special. Yeah, had my sunglasses on, so people couldn't see if there was a weak tear there.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, going real. Uh, the images and the videos I've seen it looked like a very moving experience, uh, I've seen you know some you know videos I wouldn't like to see of the away supporters but I'd like to focus on the positives in that moment and I'm glad you know that 90% of that stadium was all participant in it but uh, on hearts, Jamie, uh, the start of the season arguably probably better than most people uh, expected i had them finishing the bottom half i don't know if that says a lot about my predictions but uh the fact is they've just now uh dropped the 100 percent start and they're still unbeaten in the league what's your thoughts on that
0: yeah to be fair you're not the only one i, I remember watching the the uh, scottish football extra and i think chris sutton and ali McCoist both had hearts in the in the bottom six if i remember rightly um so no you're not the only one i um, it's been a good start for Hart, yeah. uh, beating Celtic. And Graham was another one, I think. Um, yeah, beat Celtic and then went to St. Mirren and won at a ground that they hadn't won at for, oh, goodness knows how long, in the league. I think it was 2009 or 2010 or something, um, since the last one there in the league. And you know, got ourselves in front against Aberdeen, but uh, it wasn't a game full of many chances as well. And it was one of those games that you got the vibe that one goal was going to be enough, and it was going to be a penalty or sort of set piece or whatever. But so when Hearts kind of got in front, I was kind of sitting there thinking, yeah, this could finish one 0 here because I kind of expected Aberdeen to tire after a big game in Europe. But to their credit, they uh, they finished finished the strongest of the of the two teams. Um, but I thought it was a pretty comfortable point for Aberdeen in the end. To be honest, I, I thought they came to Thain Castle, a, a ground where they don't have a great record, at and. Um, Kind of strolled to a pretty comfortable point. I know that that sounds daft, considering they came from behind. But hearts weren't great, and uh, I just thought Aberdeen were able to, to leave with a point a bit too uh, a bit too easily for my liking.
3: Jimmy, I saw one of the terrors, boys. I can't I think it was Craig. Say that hearts more attack. I think it was Craig. Uh, <laughs> Craig oh, sorry, sorry, Craig fellow hearts fan. I, put, I, I thought this I was Craig thinking between Joel, Joel and Craig, Joel and Craig because. Of the Hearts boys, say yep. that you you kind of definitely had more attackers because you only really had because the two fullbacks couldn't cross or they can't cross. There's really only three attackers. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's a big problem yesterday? Uh,
0: uh, yeah, to be fair, I mean Hearts got into good positions, particularly in the first half. I felt and uh, got the ball wide and were stretching Aberdeen, but then the ball went to Halliday or Smith or even the wingers as well. Hearts' final ball um, from from wide areas was absolutely shocking yesterday, um, and that was kind of what let them down. I did think they got into good positions and worked the ball well, but just the final ball was, was really bad yesterday for whatever reason. Um, I'm kind of trying to, trying to convince myself that it was maybe just yesterday, but um, people are kind of saying that the formation doesn't really work because Hearts are playing with fullbacks that aren't great going forward. And then they're playing with two holding midfielders as well and Peter Hanning and Benny Beningamy. Uh, yesterday they were anyway, which relies a lot on Boyce, Mackay, Stephen, Janelli to, to provide the creative spark between the three of them. And um, yeah, obviously, that's not ideal really in uh, in any team or in any system.
2: Since we're taking turns uh, asking Jamie questions, I'll jump in as well. I had uh, pals at the game. Who were uh, incredibly high on um, Benigni? Beningami, sorry. Um, after go. this one, I had one saying it uh, reminds him a lot of Glenn Kamara in the way that he plays. Uh, do you think how high is his ceiling? Because he seems to have just hit the run completely, uh, sort of hit the ground completely um, since showing hearts, which I didn't even realize was a permanent deal. I had it completely in my head that it was a loan deal until one of my pals said last week that they might end up getting a decent bit of money for him because it's uh, three and a half years. Yeah. I think.
0: They- got him on a three-year deal i so yeah. that's a, a really good bit of business from hearts um which makes a change but um uh, i'd be surprised if he was here past the summer <laughs> past is like next good? summer that is um i think somebody will come in for him if they've got any sense they will anyway he's uh he's such a good ball winner he I, it's funny i remember watching the first half against celtic thinking uh he's he's not goal side a lot of the time because he used to come in and make a challenge from nowhere, but it was always because he was on the wrong side in the first place. But that game against Celtic, they had an extra man in midfield. And then I watched them at St Mirren when they played a 4-4-2 and he was much more comfortable on the ball. And same again uh, yesterday. him. I, I think that was kind of why the game maybe didn't produce that many clear-cut chances is because both teams in midfield kind of cancelled each other out. So like Scott Brown, Lewis Ferguson, Benigni and Peter Hanning all thought had really good games. Ferguson was quite quiet going forward, but defensively, I thought everybody was kind of cancelled each other out really, and uh, that was probably why the why the game didn't produce that many chances. But as for Beningame, yeah, he's a he's a top player, really is.
2: Taylor, before you move on, <laughs> can I jump in this time with some some actual breaking news? I won't uh, talk about any oh, pop stars it? It's not well. It's just that Rangers have released a statement on uh, the Furuhashi incident I'll just read it out so there's no sort of avoidance of doubt Rangers can confirm that an investigation is now complete in regard to a video circulating on social media yesterday the individuals involved have been identified and will be banned indefinitely from all Rangers games furthermore the RSC of which they were members and traveled with to the game have been banned from receiving tickets for future uh, fixtures so I think that's a pretty swift and decisive action from Rangers and uh, good to see that those individuals won't be back at Ibrox or any uh, Scottish football ground anytime soon.
1: Yeah I'm glad that they've done exactly what um, I was hoping they would do you know they've even banned you know uh, the supporters club as well and the fact that they've banned them indefinitely as well is great Um very swift and I'm glad how quickly they've dealt with it and no messing about. It's very yeah well, that's that's it. pretty
0: interesting that they've banned the supporters club as opposed to just the individuals, you know, they've really put a marker down there, so fair play to them for that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sean, just quickly, a little bit on Aberdeen. Um, Jamie's did say that uh, coming towards the end of the game, Aberdeen looked very comfortable and it looked like uh, they had had a very easy point. Stephen Goss has said they're still in Europe and with an important game on Thursday and with, you know, Ryan Hedges not being there and um, some other players that you know, have a lot of knocks, how do you think they'll get on?
2: It'll be tough, obviously. Carabag uh, are a decent side, and they've had experience in Europe before, and they obviously have the advantage after the first leg in Azerbaijan. Uh, and I'm hopeful Aberdeen can do something, um, because I think that they have had a good start on their from Glass. He's sort of uh, install this identity that hasn't been there for a long time. I've been rubbish to watch for years, and now they seem to be a little bit more exciting. That might not have been the the case yesterday, but I still think that's what uh, class is trying to build. I'm unsure if Ross McCrory is a centre back. I don't know. Um, how, what it's do you yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't think it's at all. Um, so and. Maybe works slightly better when they play the back three. I know it was a back four yesterday, but uh, it's both Scott Brown dropping in and stuff like that. But I think you need to find an alternative for Ross McCrory. I really like him uh, in the midfield role. I think him and Ferguson could form one of the best partnerships, and Brown obviously in there as well in the league. But uh, that he's not really been given the opportunity to do that at the moment. So perhaps still tweaks to be made. Obviously, um, it's still early days in the season, but it'd be great to see Aberdeen get group stage football. So hopefully they can pull uh, something off on Sunday when you look. I watched Thursday. that game.
3: Sorry, can I, I'm trying to sabotage this part of the Taylor's podcast because Taylor's hosting because I know you might have to go soon. But I watched that game against Karabag last Thursday and they were kind of comfortably beaten. It was only 1-0. But there was nothing to, su- to suggest that Karabag are that good. That was Aberdeen were absolutely awful in Azerbaijan last week, which can happen when you travel as far mm-hmm. as you do. Sometimes it can just throw you off. I would, I'm would. i very hopeful that would If the Aberdeen that showed up against Haken in the first round that have started the season can show
1: up on Thursday. I think Aberdeen should go through to be honest with you. Aberdeen, yeah, um, the, the I
0: pitch as well. well. I was just going to say the pitch in Azerbaijan as well was a, a big factor, I think, probably. in uh, There was Sean trying to say Very that Stephen Glass is maybe trying to implement a bit more of a passive football um, style at Aberdeen, especially with people like Brown in midfield that can actually pass the ball. Um, uh, Scott Brown was excellent on uh, on Sunday. He, he really does look like a good, uh, good piece of business for for Aberdeen, And also, just want to quickly mention, J. Emmanuel Thomas, uh, his introduction for Conor and Obviously, Connor McLennan went off with a knock in the first half. That's obviously bad news for Aberdeen with a European game coming up. Um, the last thing they needed was another injury. But uh, J. Emmanuel Thomas was excellent and uh, was was so much better than I thought he was. <laughs> he showed so much more to his game than uh, than I ever really remember him having. Um, maybe it was just because he was at Livingston, I don't know, in a kind of different style of different style of team but uh, I I was really impressed with him his introduction really changed the game in Aberdeen's favour on Sunday
1: yeah I definitely agree I can see Aberdeen playing a wee bit better than they did uh, over you know and I don't even know where they're from I'm going to try to attempt that my geography is horrendous Azerbaijan (laughs) Azerbaijan that's it uh I la- one last quick point on this before I move on to uh, Rangers uh Ross County versus Rangers. Did anyone notice that Aberdeen were playing on last season's away kit? No. I didn't
2: notice that. Yeah, was so. uh, <laughs> yeah, I did, th-
1: did there was, a, yeah, didn't there was so. a kit clash and I seen there was a joke that uh the kitman had, had offered uh, Aberdeen Hearts Away Kit, but you know, obviously that wouldn't have went down well. <laughs> Why did uh, what's wrong with the, the blue one they have? How's that a kit I clash? Have no clue.
2: The blue, the
1: blue away kit they have this season surely wouldn't clash. I did think it was a weird kit. I was like, "That is this a third kit?" I was like, "What?" But uh, it was very weird. I just that was one thing I noticed. Um, on to Ross County versus Rangers. Uh, Rangers, you know, made their life difficult for themselves as they, you know, put four past Ross County. Uh, the Gers had been stuttering so far this season. However, given some defensive mistakes, they looked back to at least somewhat of the attacking self with goals coming from Aribo. Golds and Marius and Arfield. Well, county's goals came from Harry Clark and Jordan White. Graham, I'm gonna to come to you for this. Although Rangers has looked defensively solid, Rangers were defensively solid last year because it was record breaking, is it really as bad as what's getting made out to be this year so far, or is this just like a normal team conceding some goals? What's
3: that so, uh, I would say the defense is probably kind of i think we just had a purple patch last year in terms of confidence i would say this is it's not on the normal side but i don't think we're as good as last year i don't think we're as bad as we currently are defensively it's just it's been a pretty miserable start to sorry tell you ask that question again because my dad came in and interrupted me sorry guys
1: oh no that's fine i was just saying that although like last year was a record-breaking year for defensive records is like this year uh, defensively as bad as what you know some fans are making it out to be or is it like just normal like sometimes we're Kissing goals?
3: No, it's, it's, as, it's as bad as fans are making it out to be there is no
1: over <laughs> there is no over exaggeration. The
3: Rangers have been pretty miserable to the start of the season so far. Uh, but I've, I've I've seen guys in every single podcast I've been on and talked about Rangers. The Tavenier and Goldson have not have looked rough. Goldson in the last week's been better. I thought he was pretty he's been pretty excellent in the last three games he's played. But just have still kinda of struggling. But there are defense There's there are warrant, warranted defensive worries. There's so much so lots when in concentration. I mean, yesterday Ross County had three, three chances in the game. From those three chances, he had two rebounds. One ended up on a goal. Another one ended up on a penalty. It's just like it's just there's a complete laziness to the defending. There's a complete laziness to the whole approach. they have had this season, and if they don't fix it, they'll be in deep trouble.
1: Yeah, no, I I would agree that it's, I feel there's a happy medium between it being really bad is what some people make it to be and normal. I feel like this is like there's cause for concern, but it will improve. But on the flip side, Graham, um, attacking wise, we've uh, Rangers looked a lot more like themselves, you know, going forward. And although given you know Thursday that was their downfall, a lot of players said they, uh, a lot of people said they didn't, you know, take their chances. It looked like against Ross County they did so. Do you think this is him slowly but surely to get that match uh, fitness back, uh, match sharpness back in their attacking sense?
3: I think Thursday is one of the most miserable Rangers games I've ever watched from an attacking perspective. We played Alex and the only famous last words because they're not very good. But like, we should be going out through on Thursday and they could put us out. But we are absolutely miserable. And I was a bit concerned even for yesterday because it was getting to play a low block. But going forward, we were excellent yesterday. We, we scored four goals, we could have scored four more. And we managed nice to get so many players involved. Areibo had you Marell said his much touches in the game for a long time and scored a goal. It was very scruffy, but it was still good to see him getting another goal. It was much improved, and I don't know how much you can take from it because I think Ross County are immense, but it's positive. since <laughs> heading into a massive week.
1: Yeah, in a massive week, definitely coming up with you know European fixture. And then the old firm, Sean. I'm just going to come to you just a wee quick question on this. With the old firm, you know, coming up, how exciting is it going to be? Uh, going to be seeing two defenses that can collapse under a slightest bit of pressure against two attacks that are hitting the net as often as what they are.
2: I think it sounds brilliant. I uh, expect a 6-0 Old Firm on uh, Sunday afternoon. And no, it should make for a very interesting game. I wonder if either side will try and go that a little bit more defensive. Obviously, the impetus is uh, with Rangers considering they're at, at home and what will be a, a packed Ibrox. Uh, so Celtic will have to contend with that but fans don't make a difference in football, do they? Uh, Stephen Gerrard's always maintained that so um, I think... That... You're
3: persistent with that one, Mike What's that? <laughs> You're very persistent with that one, isn't I you? just think
2: it's uh, just the fact they backtracked on it and then it still didn't work is as, as beautiful Stephen Gerrard's been uh, pretty funny in press conferences so far uh, I think in Scottish football I, I quite enjoy his... Uh, his approach to them at times especially yesterday when he fooled us all with that Nathan Patterson bid but we probably shouldn't get into that one Um, but yeah uh, I think that it should be a very entertaining old firm Um, and aye loads of goals
1: Uh, it's safe to say as one I am absolutely breaking myself for I am not liking what's going to come it could go either way and I'll be watching it through the cracks of my fingers Uh, just one last question uh, just one worded answer from everyone Rangers to make it back past Alex Curtin Thursday yes or no um, Jamie I'll go with you I'm not here for you yeah Sean yeah
2: <laughs> uh, that wasn't me who said that but yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Graham uh, yes yeah,
3: it's, it's fine
1: is we'll get through four yeses and I like it um, finally our last game in Scottish uh, Premiership this week was Saint Johnston versus Dundee United? Saint Johnston fell down to Dundee. Uh, Saint sorry, fell down to Dundee United after um, going behind well, with a Paulette goal. Peter Pollock goal. Uh, I don't know if you know, uh, the midweek game took anything out of them, but the changes made to Saint Johnston seemed to unravel them. I don't know who seen this, but Saint Johnston just didn't look themselves. Uh, do you think that's a cause for concern for the depth? If they get into Europe, I think Graham alluded to that that it could be a problem. Uh, let's go. In fact, Graham since "You alluded to it. Let's go with you."
3: Yeah, as a concern, I mean, really. I would really only say that City and Rangers are the only two teams in the country that I would be comfortable balancing Europe and domestic football. Well, and keeping up the quality, given Sir Scott there or something. A team like St. Johnson. I actually, I think their depth's okay. I think they have good players in the group and like multiple positions but it's obviously not at that level and if they do manage to get into that group stage geez, i am concerned for domestic form because balancing those two fronts is going to be very difficult and for a club in johnson europe should absolutely take precedent because it's never happened before we got into european group stage and it could almost honestly never happen yet, or at least for a long time so i do think the domestic form could suffer if it happens but i don't think that should in any way make them second guess like the gate last lens game in Thursday, that should be the total priority for Saint Johnston.
1: Yeah, Jamie, Sean, you got any thoughts on that? I'll let
2: Jamie
1: go. Uh, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying um Saint Johnston in either. Europe. Saint <laughs> <laughs> Johnston in Europe. Could that be you know uh, troublesome for them and domestically? That's uh, yeah, I mean, it, I was watching.
0: I was watching Sports Scene Spiel and Calum Davidson was saying it's uh he was asked uh, something similar, I believe, and he said that it just takes a bit of getting used to really. They're not they're not used to kind of uh, maybe playing this many European games. I feel like they've had a pretty decent record in Europe to be fair. Um when they've got into it, but they've given a good account of themselves this year. Um and, you know, back to back to McDermott Park. Nah. They might go through. I don't know. Quite
1: a tough one to call. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a tough one. I think they'll go through personally. Do everybody else think they'll go through? I think they'll they'll do it, but it's got to obviously be their downfall. I
2: don't. I do. Yes.
1: If you, watched
3: the, you watched the game on Thursday, and John's were excellent, so you probably have a different opinion than me, Sean, but I, I, thought um, I thought last would be too tough for them, and he's played pretty dreadfully. I think Johnson probably had to win that game to go through
1: glenn middleton being the man (laughs) called it before we move on to you know some uh, the big talking points in europe sean i'll give you this your two minutes of talking about how kelly's win is important and they've got to run away with that league which makes it boring now
2: yeah easy isn't it this championship malarkey (laughs) Uh, won every game yet to concede a goal easy peasy like um I mean we play Inverness who are also in the exact same vote, uh, they have won every game and have not considered a goal uh, well they've won like, every game 1-0 or something like that and um, uh, it'll be Kurt Broadfoot's return to Rugby Park which should be interesting to say the least I don't expect them to get the best reception and I'm sure <laughs> that one of, the, one of them I think um, and I'm sure there'll be uh, plenty, of, I was going to say words in the ears of Scott Robinson to get them out them but there's no Kelly players left from last season to do that really Um, but the fans will certainly like to see uh, Scott Robinson, of course, go to brace at Noodle Park on Saturday, um, sort of run Broadfoot ragged, but I'm sure Broadfoot will be right up for that and trying to prove those doubters wrong, so it should be an interesting one on Saturday, that'll definitely be uh, the sort of glamour tie of this championship weekend, and if Kelly can come out that one unscathed, then I think that bodes well for their season as a whole.
1: Yeah, is there anyone that you've been, like, really impressed with, like, more than you expected in this killer side, or is it just more? the, the team's unity has been, you know, bonded well together, and you can see them bouncing straight back up.
2: Um, that's a good question, actually. Um, obviously, I didn't, uh, I've only seen highlights of the game from Saturdays. I was on Rose duty, but um. For me, Stephen McGinn is actually, I thought it was a, quite an underwhelming signing, and he just completely dictates that midfield. I think that he, he can break it up really well, and there's also his passing is pretty crisp and just keeps the game ticking over while the likes of Alston and Polworth sort of go forward and try and get a little bit more involved in attacks. So uh, he came on when I was at Easter Road last week, um, he came off the bench and uh, he improved that. Coman at midfield instantly and he's a player who I think will be pivotal if Kelly are to win the Championship title so Stephen McGinn's my shout for that Ewan Murray has also been very I was a bit worried that he was slightly overrated at the fair last season uh, but he slotted right back into the uh, into the back line he was a captain on Saturday in the absence of Chris Stokes who's out injured for a while and he looks to be a very very solid sign so aye, those are the players i give the nod to Good to hear it's uh,
1: going to be interesting to see you know if one Ayrshire Club goes up, if another one goes down, Fingers uh, there's going to be some great podcasting for that. Uh, we're going to move on to Europe. Uh, we would talk about some English football, but who's that, what's that, we don't know. Um, let's just talk about some of you the know, big talking points in Europe. Where should I start? Okay, I've got it's three talking points here. Italy. start right at <laughs> right, Italy? come on, we come have, We come. have to talk about it. Yeah, it was great. There were, there were it was the
3: opening weekend in Syria, there were... Seven, seven, six, seven red cards in eight games, there's still two more to go. There was like twenty eight goals, and it was just like the perfect opening. Week. We thought the Premier League weekend opening weekend was good. The one yesterday was absolutely ridiculous. The one first year was absolutely ridiculous. We saw some, we saw wins for Jose Mourinho in the first game at Roma. but There was two sending offs in that game. We should be wrong with what it did Milan. They absolutely battered Genoa in the opening game. And it was so good to see the two James oncastle and Richardson on the broadcast. Those two are dream dads for everybody. Yeah, back of uh, the at sport. Atalanta at- at- scored in the last minute against for a win they did. They did not deserve it at all. But there were some great scenes where the guys went into the crowd when they scored the winner. And uh, <laughs> the best scenes, though, were Udinese-Juventus. Because you-, you you went 2-0 up. Udinese got two back... Both absolute horror shows from Wojtek Chesney. But that's not the main event because Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> who came on as a sub because he asked not to start around rumours about his future, came on <laughs> it's so funny, scored the winning header 3-2 in the last minute took his top off to celebrate and got absolutely mental. Only for the goal to get disallowed and him to get booked for it. Absolutely peak Calcio Chaos Taylor. Absolutely peak it's so it's good to have it on BT Sport. It's going to be a, It's going to become probably. It's probably be my European League for this season because the Bundesliga coverage and guys, it's absolutely fucking shite. <laughs> and
1: it couldn't have been off to get off to a better start. Are you looking forward to uh, the games tonight? Who? What do you think the outcomes will be for this? Because I know it's something to you know and quarter eight, but I can't remember who's playing. That
3: the first game well, the, the interesting thing but this is uh, most of the teams in Syria at the top have changed their manager East yeah. Milan are one of the few one, I think one of the two I, I, I guess when he's still at Atlanta I haven't so yeah. hopefully I think there's an idea that maybe they will have a better start while other teams adjust uh, so that is an interesting game I probably won't be watching it we've got a mix of uh, West Ham-Leicester which I think is a fun game in England and of course our Koli and Toby winning the Love Island final mm-hmm. but it
1: should be an enjoyable game if that's the sort of thing you'd like to watch tonight yeah definitely it sounds like it could be tasty but there's another bit of action that I want to talk about you know if we don't talk about anything else Nice versus Marseille did you see what happened did you see what happened if not let me describe it to you Um, Dimitri Payet went to go and take a corner and something I don't know if it was a light or it could have been a, a coin or something got thrown at him It led to him throwing, you know, it back at the fans. That just seemed to, you know, you get told, don't poke the bear. He literally just, you know, he smashed the bear over the face with it. It just, it descended into chaos for there. And then basically, the stewards were trying to stop the fans from coming onto the pitch. And because some Marseille players would get attacked. But then one of the subs for Marseille decided to just rattle the ball right into the stand. And it hit somebody square in the face. I was like, what is happening here? So after everything you know, was slightly calmed down, players went into uh, into changing rooms and after a short break, nice players came back out. For only Marseille to refused to come back out because some of the players were injured and they didn't want to come back out on the pitch. Let's see if they say the next game that they play is going to be juicy, ain't it?
3: Yeah. Uh, from a professional perspective, we should say that's absolutely uh, disgusting scene say so, yeah, we want to see that at a football game. Um, <laughs> all From the personal perspective, how fucking <laughs> class was that to so watch like, I, was, I, was still, I mean, it doesn't seem like anyone died or had seriously injured, so I I feel comfortable saying that it was just I don't really give, <laughs> give a shit about the French league, even more so that PSU have built the ultimate team. But I was I was right into it, it was great. I would do it every week. Yeah,
2: I agree. We roll well rumble at the end every game.
1: I just, I, you always just see players just not, like, reacting to it, and they just walk away or they walk off and that, which is fair enough, but it's when I seen them retaliate, I was like, what? It's like, you just know the mob mentality of fans will take over, and it was, as Graham said, it was disgusting, we shouldn't really be seeing that or condoning it, but it's just, it was how quickly it just broke out into chaos. I really don't understand where it came from, like, where all that hatred just to there came from. I didn't see the full game, so... I wasn't sure if it was like some things happened before, but it was crazy. Um, I,
3: th- I think on what, what something like that is. That I noticed this, America and America got crowds back earlier than us for football, and I noticed a. just I think just the energy of being back in the stadiums. People tend to have uh, had eighteen months away for this. They drink more. They're more excited. The more animated, and unfortunately, there are more incidents where fans are going to go overboard. I think that's what happened yesterday.
2: My, my mum mom actually that's uh, would feed into that uh, analogy or thought process, Graham. Because when Paul, did Paul McGowan score yesterday? No, Paul McGowan. Um, when Paul McGowan scored and he ran into the uh, the crowd at Den's Park, my mom would just walked into the room and she was like, "Is this just a league game? Like, why is he going so mental?" And I was like, "Fans have been away. He's happy to see uh, fans back." And it was actually a good scene. So I think that you're right mm-hmm. that fans are more sort of charged up for games that this moment in time just because it has been so long and they need that release so I expect it to kind of wave again I guess the same could be said about a pitch invasion at at the Tony Macaroni for Aberdeen fans other week as well it's a bit um, what you might have categorised as over the top before
1: but I think it's it's good scenes yeah it's scenes that we all have to see Uh, is there any other games or top points we want to
2: can I play Devil's Advocate no you
0: can't no you can't play Devil's
1: Advocate here see right just
0: now, Narc. we've got red zones in grounds, right? Because oh, fans can't get in. So this is where the subs sit in the stand, so that the subs aren't allowed to be near other supporters because of COVID, whatever. But then players can go and celebrate in the stands, like Peter Paul had done it, Paul McGowan done it. I'm all for the celebrations, they and I don't want to see booked, players getting booked for it. Yeah, I don't want to see players getting booked for it, and I'm all for the celebrations, but. What's the fucking point in the red zones then? If players are allowed to just go celebrate and the, the. Does it not defeat the purpose? Yeah. Oh, yeah the red zones TV. are stupid. Yeah. That's. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well. The only red zone I'm interested in is yeah. one with Scott Hansen. If there's no Scott Hansen, I'm not watching yeah. it. Oh, we're so close. Thanks,
3: Graham. Uh, no, I, oh, that's I,
0: NFL, I like isn't it? There yeah. you go. Mm-hmm.
1: Seven hours <laughs> of
3: commercial free football!
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, get back. NFL back in our lives. But, uh, yeah, Aye. Uh, uh, Jamie, I think you're. So your problem is less with the celebrations, more with the existence of red zones, which stops you from going oh, to Celtic Park the other week that you're still raging about.
0: It's well, it, it's just more a merely a point, really. Um, I, I don't have a problem with the celebrations at all, and as I say, I would prefer players don't get booked for it. But my point is merely, well, why do we have the red zones if players are still, you know, players are clearly getting not not getting told them. Um, Oh, do us a favour, maybe Denny celebrate in the crowds now because of COVID and all the red zones it just seems to be like, well what's the point in a red zone if you can go and celebrate in the crowd? Like,
3: I would, I would, My response to that would be that if you want a question all the double standards of COVID rules around the country then we could be here for another two, three hours. <laughs>
1: so. I, I I always got to say by the way uh, it's could be a completely different podcast, you know, talking about the governance body of Scottish football and um, if we get into that then we could still be here at midnight. And... Does
2: anyone know if Hearts have got their championship flag yet or is it still for Hell?
0: I don't know about Hearts, but <laughs> Parking Fistle have got theirs, I believe. Oh, that's good oh, for no. them then. Yeah, I'm... yeah, yeah.
3: Congrats to Central in their first title a year, but a year before... <laughs> before they even got their sponsorship. Yeah, how does know, that work?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, one last question you know, before we wrap up. Flag day at, at, at Old Furham, is that happening? I don't, I don't know. I thought I it was against Charlotte. So, I, I don't
3: know. I,
1: no, I, I didn't do it against Liverpool. I against Old Furham. No, they were doing it in the oh, first, field game t-
3: first field home game, league game, I think, which would be Sunday. So I would assume so, but I don't have concrete yeah, nice. yes or no for you. Old Furham. That would it. be one. Day.
1: Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> that'll be one to watch out for so yeah I think that's what we've got time for everything else yeah MD got any burning thoughts no uh,
2: Atletico are already plus 2 in La Liga which uh, I said on Energy my big shout is going to win the league by over 10, point, 10 points or more I said uh, plus 2 because Barca and Real both drew the massive losers while well, Atletico won so my big shout is on uh,
1: Jamie Graham, you have got anything else I'll ask you what to say just live, laugh,
3: love life, eh? Vote Toy, Toby and Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> Vote Chloe and Toby tonight. Even Jamie. Even Jamie. Download
1: the app. And Download just the app. It. Yep, thanks. <laughs> and then buy a water bottle. <laughs> Let's get <them>. a <laughs> water Secret yes. Santa this year's sorted. <laughs> uh, oh. Anyway, that's all we've got time for today on like, the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed you know, listening to the show and our fantastic insight into these games. Uh, just a personal note, it was a real pleasure to have hosted, hosted this podcast and if I somehow uh, have made it to this point and the chair isn't setting fire and the podcast isn't cancelled, I would like to do this again at some point. Um, be sure to follow you know, all our socials and keep up to date with the content that we provide and that can be found on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram by punching in the letters E N R G SPORT. Also, subscribe to our podcast, feast with, for, podcast feed wherever you get it as I can assure you that you, want to, you won't want to miss another show. You know, with the uni semester starting real soon you can be sure that our whole host of content will be appearing more frequently and we can get back into good groove of things. Thank you very much to Sean McGill, Jimmy McIntosh and Graham Sinclair for joining me on this ludicrous, hectic but fun ride. Um, Sean and Cameron will be back on Thursday and will give you a weekly dose of Energy Extra Time where they'll preview the weekend's games and some of the ties for the Scottish teams. I have been your host Taylor Murray and until another shambolic time on energy sports, this has been Football Roundup and I shall see you later.